Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. Good afternoon. You know, I was also known as an NBA player by other people. They often call me Jeremy Lin. That was a joke. But anyways, um, so what we're going to do this morning or this afternoon is I'll kind of share with you from the Word, and then I'll invite my wife up to join, uh, join me, and we'll share with you kind of the journey um, that we went through and how God has called us and the walk that He had for us individually and what that looked like as we go together and what this whole year and a half has been like since we've been called, but yet still here. Um, so if you can open up your Bibles with me from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, it's pretty short, verse 1 and verse 6. Here's the word of God. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, when I see this passage... Hebrews 11 is about the heroes of our faith. It's about the people who went before us in the Old Testament and the New Testament, how they really believed and trusted in just the word of the God alone. And they, without being able to see the fruits of their labor or fruits of following God, they just obeyed. And I don't want to go too much into this, but when I look at the word faith and the word confidence and the word assurance, they're somehow tied together in just obedience to God. And, and what really stands out to me even before that is chapter, verse 6 where it says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I don't know about you, but when I started walking with the Lord, my number one desire was to please the Lord. Not out of guilt, not because I wanted to repay him back, but just because I loved him for what he had done. And, and so for me to obey him in a westernized culture, it was really difficult because there's so many things you want to pursue. And so it became a category of here's God and here's my life. God, this is what I want to do. Can you come into my life and bless it so that I can in turn say I'm living for you? And it was, but it needed to be the other way around where I step into God's realm and say, God, whatever it is you desire me to do, I will follow you. But that's actually very scary, because when I look at the heroes of our faith, God called them to some scary places. Now, when we hear about what they accomplish and what they do, it seems like a, a, a doable feat. But in fact, to be called into something that is unknown is very scary. But what's really cool about that is, as you walk in faith, in obedience to the unknown, is where you really find confidence in your faith and where you really find assurance in your salvation, where you really find affirmation that God is actually calling you and he's walking with you. As you see each challenges that you face, he allows you to go through them together with him. Um, and so with that, I kind of want to share with you how we began. So if I can invite Esther on up here, we'll share with you kind of how uh, we each individually are just trying to be obedient to God and just please him by our obedience to him. Mm-hmm. 
And so if you can put up the first slide. This is our family, our two boys, Logan and Owen. They are 10 and seven, soon to be 11 and eight. So um, just wanted to share with you a little bit about our, about our journey and how God has been growing our faith in him. Um, if you go to the next picture, um, so I grew up in a Christian household, um, but I really don't think I came to faith until college. I went to UCLA, um, and I had a, a lot of hurt in the church growing up, and so um, I felt very turned away from the church. Um, but in college is really where God showed me his love for um, me, and um, really um, that's where I began to grow in my faith. And um, while I was in college, um, I was a part of a Christian fellowship there, and I got invited to join a um, short-term trip to Turkey. Um, and so um, I ended up going for about three to four weeks, and for me, it was the first time I was in a Muslim country, um, and first time I had ever heard the words unreached people group, uh, which are people who um, don't have a chance to even hear the gospel um, because there aren't enough believers among those people to tell them. And so for me, it was just such a shock. It was eye-opening that there are people in this world who don't have a chance to hear the gospel. Um, whereas we have so many churches here. I mean, every neighborhood, every block, there are churches here. Um, and so um, God really broke my heart for the people there. Um, and as we built friendships, and I actually still keep in touch with some of the friends I made in Turkey today, um, thanks to Facebook and Instagram. Um, but, you know, when I really began to love these people and saw that they had no chance to hear the gospel unless someone came to tell them about it, um, you know, God really uh, broke my heart. And, you know, my last day there before we came back from this short-term trip, you know, I, I asked God, God, after we leave, because we were the first foreigners some of these people had ever met, you know, who's going to come and tell them about you? Um, and so what God spoke to me at that moment is, as much as you love them, I love them more. And so that was the beginning of God really opening my eyes to how much he loves his people that he's created. Um, and so after I came back home from this trip, I just felt like, okay, I need to find out more about unreached people groups and what is God's heart. Um, and so I took a course called Perspectives, which is like a 12-week course. Um, and talking all about God's heart for the nations, God's heart for his people. Um, and while I was taking that course, God just blew me away. You know, every lesson, every passage from the Bible I read, I just thought, wow, I've never, I've never seen it this way before. God loves his people so much, right? And, um, and he wants us to go and tell them about him. And so it was during that course I was um, actually had just graduated from college, um, and I really felt like God was calling me overseas long-term. And that was around the time that I was starting to um, apply for medical school. Um, and so I just felt like, okay, if, if I need a skill to go overseas, especially to close countries, you know, what better way to, to go than medicine, right? I just thought, that's practical. So started med school, and the whole time, I, you know, my commitment to God was, okay, God, as soon as I finish all my training, um, I'll be a worker overseas long-term. Um, my last year of medical school is actually when I went to medical school with Dan's younger brother. And so his younger brother introduced us. It was a blind date, totally unexpected. Um, and we met. I swept her off her feet. <laughs> got engaged after three months and then got married six months after that. Um, and so, yeah, that, that completely changed my trajectory. 
Yeah, when I met her, I was not in the right state of mind. You know, when there's a beautiful woman in front of you, you're just like, what do I do to get her to marry me, right? That's what all the guys are thinking, right? Well, anyways, and so when I met her, I was called to the pastorate. And so I was finishing up, or I was, about, I was finishing up my undergraduate um, at Biola for my biblical and theological studies, and then about to go into Talbot for my MDiv. And so my path was very fixated on the pastorate role because the reason why I left the Air Force was because I was going to go into the pastorate. So it was a long journey in terms of me deciding to go into the pastorate. So I was very convicted and convinced. And as a head of a household, like the, the very Eastern way of, you know, head of the household mentality, which is not healthy, was like, wife is going to follow me type of thing, mentality. And so she's like, do you like missions? I was like, oh, yeah, I love missions. This is on our first date, by the way. And I've never been on missions other than like Mexico, digging some dirt for like gravel work or something like that. So my exposure to missions was very minimal, if anything. And so that's kind of, but, but we both had a heart to serve the Lord. We both had a heart to just love him and be obedient to him. And that's kind of how we be began our journey. But early years in our marriage, it was whether, about local church or overseas. Yeah, so you can go to the next picture. Um, yeah, so we got married pretty quick, and, you know, during the time, of course, we talked about, okay, what is our calling as a family, um, but it really wasn't until we were married that I realized, okay, this guy really doesn't know anything about, like, overseas work, um, and so, you know, for me, every time we would go out on a date night early on in our marriage, I'd be like, okay, what's our five-year plan? In five years, we're going to be overseas. He's like, what are you talking about? Now I want to be overseas. And so we actually, this was the biggest source of our arguments and our fights. Um, to the point where he was like, I don't want to go on date night anymore. I know we're just going to end in a fight. Um, and so, because you're going to ask me our five-year plan. And so. Can we just enjoy a meal without <laughs> arguing about five years, right? I had a, I had a set plan. And so, um, you know, I mean, we've been married 13 years now. But I think during the majority of that, we really struggled and he was pastoring um, at a church. Um, I was working at Kaiser at that point as a doctor, and I just felt like, you know, I just, yeah, I just felt like, one, he was holding me back from my calling that I felt so strongly God had given me. And also, I, you know, I began to realize through the years that, you know, I just wasn't able to support him in ministry um, as I felt like I should because my heart wasn't there. Like, my heart was already overseas somewhere, and I was just thinking, when are we going to go? Um, and so at some point, like, this just became a really bit source of embitterment for me. Um, and I really resented Dan. Um, and so it came to the point where I really just came to God and I said, okay, God, like, this is not how it should be, right? Um, I don't think this is how you want our marriage to be. Um, if you are really calling me overseas, then you need to call him too. I've already tried. I've tried everything. Um, and it's not working. But if you're calling us to something different as a family, then help me surrender this. Help me let it go. Give it to you. Um, and so after I prayed that, I just felt so much peace. And it wasn't like anything changed, but I just felt so much peace. And I felt like, okay, God is going to take care of it either way, and I can release this to him. Um, and so after that, I mean, I didn't even tell Dan about this prayer, but he suddenly felt like, wow, my wife is really supporting me. Like, I, he didn't know what happened, but... You know, he really felt supported and encouraged. Good preaching. Anyway, and so, um, and so, you know, he actually took some short-term trips. I was like, hey, hey, you should lead our, you know, church to China or, you know, do some short-term trips. And over the course of time through that and through him taking perspectives um, and just through a long journey, one day he actually came to me and said, hey, I think I'm open to going overseas. And I was like, what? 
are you serious? And he's like, yeah. But, he said, but if we start moving in that direction and God closes the door, are you going to be okay with that? And he thought I would be devastated. And I said, yeah, I already, I already gave it to God. And so I think that really gave him peace And because he, he was so scared to tell me that he was open um, and because he just thought, like, the next day we're going to be on a plane. And so um, be, that was the start of our journey together, really. Um, go ahead. And so what really, I guess, the, the transition that I went from being closed-minded about overseas work to being open was when I really look at the scripture and I look out Acts 1, 8, go to the ends of the earth, when I see Matthew 28, 18 through 20, make disciples of all nations, not just Southern Californians, Asian Americans in SoCal, right? And so when I look at that, I think to myself, like, we're called to go to the ends of the earth. And what am I doing, not necessarily as goer, but as a pastor? How am I equipping our congregation to see that? And that just really sat heavy in my heart. And so as I began to think about that and I began to evaluate what types of over summer, summer M work are we doing, it was really support ministry that we were doing. Like there's established workers overseas, there's plenty of churches, plenty of work being done already, and we're just doing some VBS or some type of little medical trips or support ministries where I felt like, you know, honestly, we're arguing or we're, we're fighting for logistical time so that they can host us better because there's other people joining them. And so that really, I was kind of like, do we really want to use our resources for that um, in the way that we are? Or can we pull back and do something different? And so as we begin to think about that, we really begin to think, how do we engage unreached people groups? Um, and so when we began to pray and began to train our congregation and just really pray through that, that's where God really opened up my heart, and I began to pray, God, do you want me to go, or do you want me to continually equip and mobilize? And right about that time is when I asked her, hey, I'm ready to go if you want to go, but if God closes those doors, are you okay with that? And so when she said yes, it just blew my mind away, because I thought she was going to say, duh, we're going now, but when she said, when I said, what if he closes those doors, are you okay? And I thought she was going to say, he's not going to close the doors. Of course, he's going to say yes, right? But she didn't. She said, yeah, if he closes the door, I'm okay with supporting you here, doing the ministry here. And that really allowed me the freedom to say, I don't need to manipulate my wife anymore. I don't need to manipulate her in a way that I have to, like, you know, have one foot in, one foot out, and try to figure out how to coerce her or con communicate in a way that I'm not fully com committed to going, and, and whatever it may be. But all that was relinquished. And all this freedom and peace came in, and we really, I felt like, now we're seeking God as one flesh. So you can go to the next slide. So, you know, then we began to pray, okay, where is God calling us, right? Um, and I think ever since Turkey, I just really had a heart for um, uh, Muslims. And so I just felt like, okay, if we go somewhere, um, that's the type of people I want to go to. And also, I want to be strategic in how we use our time and our resources so can we go to the place that has the most need, right? Um, and Dan, growing up in Huntington Beach, was like, can we just be by water? Um, I just don't think I could do like desert, you know? So um, that was it. And then when we talked to, you know, a couple different organizations, um, we came across one that suggested um, a country in Southeast Asia. And just for security reasons, we're not, we won't give you the details, but you can come ask us later. Um, and so we took a vision trip. We actually took a few leaders from our congregation and our kids. Um, and we, this was 2018. Yeah, 2018. 
And so um, we took a trip to this place for two weeks. It's a large city, big university town, um, about the fourth largest city in the country. Um, and while we were there, we just were asking God, okay, God, is this where you want us to be? Um, we're just in a kind of an open book, right? And so um, as we were there, just over and over again, what we felt God was calling and saying to us was, it's not about the people group or the country. It's just about loving the people I love. And so then we said, okay, if that's the case, then, you know, we can go anywhere, but what are some strategic ways that you can open doors for us here? So pastoring for me was kind of like, I don't feel called, but you know what, God, I'll try it out to see if it is for me, and then I'll do it. Because my grandfather, when I, was in, when I was 16, he passed away, and he prayed that I would serve God as a pastor one day. And so when I left the Air Force and came home and went to pursue that, it was my mother who encouraged me, hey, grandfather prayed this way, and so therefore, would you like to seek that? And so faith for me has always been like, you know what, if he opens doors, I'll just walk through them. And so even for the pastor, after two and a half years of youth pastoring is when I really felt called that God was opening those doors. And so even for going overseas, I was like, if he opens his doors, I'll walk through them. If he doesn't, then we'll just go a different door, right? And so for me, a vision trip was really important to go over there and to see, is this the door that he's opening or the door that he's closing? And actually, I was very terrified because I, the, the week before we're about to go, like I hear all this stuff from my mom about the things that are happening in Southeast Asia, all these killings and all this burning of churches and so on and so forth. And I just thought, we're going to get attacked, we're going to die, and we're, we're going to make it back alive. And, and that was just the media impression that I received, which is not true at all. And so when we, go, next slide, please. So when we went there, um, we landed at the airport, and I took a team of, what, six? And our two boys with us. And I was prepping our team. I was like, hey, when we land, do not reference me as pastor. Just call me first name basis Dan, right? Because I, I don't want to get shot. Or I don't want a big target on my back. And so we land at the airport. And one, one of the sisters goes, Pastor Dan, across the airport. I'm like, just kill me now. Just, just kill me, right? And I'm like, what did I tell you? It's just Dan, right? And they couldn't. They just like, kept slipping out the whole trip. And so here I am, like, shaking my pants, like, terrified. Like, what's going to happen, you know? And so God is so good. So we, we got our taxi. We got to our um, check-in point, And we, were, we had a layover until we met with our work, the workers that were about to join. And we were staying at this little hotel that had, like, a sub-level and, and that had a gym. And people rented some of the levels as their apartments. And so a couple of guys and I, we went to the, uh, the weight room and started working out. And there's some brothers there working out. And I will, he's, I'll just call him A because I don't want to say his full name. And uh, A is there. And he speaks broken English. And so we're working out together, and he's like, hey, where are you from? And I'm like, California. He's like, California, Lakers. And we're having this, like, broken English conversation all based on sports. And then the weirdest thing happens. He invites me to dinner. And we don't do that here in the Western culture. Right? So all these thoughts are running through my head. How did he know I'm Christian? Where is he going to take me? How is he going to kill me? Like, I'm going to be abandoned somewhere. Dead. And so, but then we were chit-chatting more, and I felt comfortable enough to say, can I bring the rest of my friends that are here with me? We all die together, right? And so we met up at the place that we're going to eat. He buys us snacks, desserts. He's going to fatten us up and then kill us, right? These are the thoughts that are going through my head. But we actually had a really good time. 
and he was really genuine. And the culture is very, they have high desire to have meaningful relationships, and they're super hosts. Like, hospitality is beyond comparable. And he, he says, here's my phone number. While you're here, if you get into trouble, call me, and I'll come anytime to help you out. And from day one, God just provided for me a friend to allow me to just let all my guards down and be like, you know, it's not everything that I expected and, and thought it would be like, but actually it's very different. And I just felt from day one that God was present and he was working, not only the ministry that we're trying to do, but he was actually working in my heart. Um, and I just just broke down privately and just cried out to the Lord, just saying thank you and a, repenting for the prejudice, the bias, the, and, and not, knowing that not everyone's like that, but I had that framework in my mind, and God just, you know, totally just changed that. Uh, you can go to the next picture. And so I think, you know, um, what we really felt called um, is that, you know, the country that we're going to in Southeast Asia is 87% Muslim. Um, and there's actually 785 people groups that speak over 700 languages. Um, and they're spread out across thousands of islands, which is crazy. Um, and so, um, you know, the red is the areas that are considered unreached. Um, and, you know, I mean, there's a statistic that I think less than 1% or less than 1 cent of um, the offerings from churches um, or the budget actually goes to the areas in the red. Majority are the places that are already reached that have enough believers to tell each other about it. And so we just really felt like God was convicting us, this is where you need to go. Um, and so um, if you go to the next slide, um, this is actually a picture of just the city that we went to. Um, and, you know, the people there, um, majority of them are, you know, um, of this faith. And surprisingly, in this country, there's actually five religions that are allowed. And you actually have to put one of those five on your ID card. Um, it's very interesting. And so Christianity is actually one of the allowed religions, but it's still very much a minority, and, and they do face a lot of persecution. Um, and so even though... There is, an ident uh, there is a place for Christians. Um, Muslims cannot become Christian, you know, that, and you cannot um, go and share um, the good news openly. So it is a closed country. Um, and so if you go to the next slide, you know, um, if you know anything about this religion, you know that there, there are a lot of people who are very devoted and, um, you know, they fast for a whole month during the year. Um, you know, they pray five times a day. Um, a lot more devout, honestly, than a lot of Christians are, right? But when we see them doing all these rituals and activities to try to win favor and earn their way to salvation, we really feel what Romans 10:12 says. It says, for I can testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. They don't have a true knowledge of, um, of God. Um, it's a very distorted picture. Um, and so if you go to the next page or next slide, and so, um, yeah, so we really felt um, God was calling us to Romans, um, what it says in Romans 10, 14. You know, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have never heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. If you go to the next slide. So the interesting thing about um, this country is that there are actually a good number of Christians. 
Um, and this is actually a service that we went to one Sunday, and they asked Dan to actually guest speak that day. Um, and when we asked what do they want us to speak about, they actually said they want us to speak about um, overseas work. And they said, you know, um, there's so much fear in the church um, to share the good news with Muslims because they've been under so much persecution. So they don't do that. They just, they just protect themselves, right? They try to stay um, together. Um, and so there's a real fear. So as many believers as there are, um, they don't, they don't want to share. Um, and so we need people to come from the outside and teach them how to do that and show them. Um, and, um, and so part of our work there is going to be actually mobilizing the church. Um, now, most of these believers are actually people from other people groups. So there are many, many people groups that are, um, it's like to be this people group is to be Muslim. That's their identity. So if you're going to go and try to share the good news and they're going to become a believer, um, they are going to face persecution even to the point of death. They're going to face excommunication from their community, from their family. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a real risk and danger. And so um, part of our work is going to be mobilizing the local church, the people who already live there, to see the need and see God's heart for um, the unreached Muslim people groups there. And then part of our work is going to be doing church planting among the unreached people groups. Um, so just kind of two things that we'll be doing. And we want to encourage and allow them to be able to reproduce, right? So that our goal isn't to be um, residents there forever. We want to be there as long as we can or as long as God allows us to be and be able to do as much work we can while we're there and to be able to pull out. But one cool thing, if you go to the next slide, is this culture or this country actually loves Koreans. Um, they love Korean pop culture. They love Korean drama. I heard a story recently that they had a... Uh, BTS meal at McDonald's over there, and line and line and line, and the line was so long that they had to close down McDonald's. That they couldn't, because of COVID, they could, just couldn't have all these people just massively blocking the, the street. And so there is a huge desire for building relationships or knowing more about the Korean culture. And so when we were there, this is a Facebook group of people in their 20s and 30s that call Loving Korean Culture Facebook group. And they taught themselves how to speak Korean. They wrote their names in Korean of Korean celebrities, right, just, just to have fun. And some of them actually go to Korea during the summer and work part-time jobs as tour guides. We thought that was very fascinating. And so because we couldn't speak their language, they were speaking to us in Korean. And up, up until this point, I had no interest in Korean drama. I was the whitest Korean there. And so when we talked about Korean culture and the, the pop star, I had no idea. But when we came back, because of homework, cultural studies, I began to watch Korean drama. It's kind of addicting. Um, but yeah, I just, just the timing of how everything works and how God just allows, not because of our education or our job, but because just simply our race. We were accepted and welcomed to have these open dialogues. And the number one question they had for Esther, what's your mother-in-law like? Because of all the evil mother-in-laws they see in Korean dramas. So actually, it was, it was such a unique um, opportunity for us to share our testimony. Um, you know, the workers that live there, they were saying, you know, like we've hosted them because they're Korean. We've hosted them before just, you know, to have fun, but we've never really shared anything deeper. 
but we really feel like this is an opportunity for you guys to maybe go deeper with them because they were so excited to hear that there's Korean Americans coming. I mean, you know. And so um, when we talked to them, you know, we shared with them about our faith, that we are believers um, in Jesus, and that my mother-in-law is a believer, therefore she's not like the evil mother-in-laws in Korean dramas. But, you know, we got to share our story with them, and, um, and that was really cool. Um, and just a beginning to, um, I think, I, God opening our eyes to... Um, ways that he's opened doors, not even because of our skill sets, but just simply who we were born to be, right? Um, so if you go to the next picture, um, you know, and while we were there, we just really felt like oh, this is God's vision, right, for um, all his people in Revelations, where people from every language, nation, tribe, uh, people group will be worshiping God together. Um, and we know that out of those 785 people groups that are still unreached, that God is calling people out from each of those people, group, people groups. And we just wanted to be a part of what he's already doing. We know it's his work, but we really felt like, yeah, he's calling us to be a part of it. Um, and so back in 2018 is when we finally made that decision. We felt God was affirming us to this is it. Um, so we joined our organization, um, started support raising. Um, and so we were actually supposed to leave last summer, July of 2020, and then COVID happened, right? Um, and so, you know, one thing was, like, I had a quit date for my job at Kaiser. Dan had a quit date for church, right? He was going to step down from his pastoring role, and there was a replacement already there. Um, and so we already know in June, as the date's coming, that we're not going to get to leave yet. Um, and so, you know, actually, I really struggled um, because I don't know if, if any of you know, um, at Kaiser, if you hit that 10-year mark, then you kind of are set for life. Like, you get, you get this um, security, this pension um, for the rest of your life. And so people were like, my coworkers were like, you're crazy. Just stay one more year. Stay one more year and then do whatever you want after that. And then at least you have, like, your retirement set. Um, and so, honestly, I, I really thought about it. At that point, I was like, you know, I mean, what is it? It's one more year. But the instant I thought that, God actually spoke um, a Bible verse to me where it says, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And I had this fear of God in my heart. I was like, oh my gosh, God, okay, okay. He didn't not, tell me this. I'm not looking back. <laughs> but, you know, I just felt like, okay, because our organization said, hey, if you guys want to, we know you can't go overseas right now because of COVID, but if you want to go ahead and join full-time on full support, and start learning language through Zoom, which they didn't have never done before, but they said, we can try it if you guys want to do that. And so then we decided, okay, God is, God is affirming us. He wants us to move forward. So we did. We joined our organization in July, quit our jobs, and since then we've actually been learning from a language school in Southeast Asia on Zoom. So everything is, we have like evening classes um, for a few hours every night, um, learning the language. And we've been doing that for the past year now. Yeah, and it's been, it's been an interesting journey. I think it's been a blessing. You know, some people think this past year has been, and, and, and rightly so, it's been a nightmare for some. It's been especially good for people who, who are introverts and want to work from home. It's been like heaven for them. And for some of us who just need both of that, we need our own time and our own space, that's become really challenging too. But one of the things that we heard as we, as 
we're planning to go and we're meeting with some of our advisors, they're saying, you know, a lot of people, they just go straight from working, they stop and they go overseas and they really don't have any downtime to process, to recuperate from their, you know, just busy lives and just to really reflect on what they're gonna do. And so this year, obviously we didn't have a choice, but it has been a blessing in that way where we got to experience a lot of things where God provided. One in particular was I went through an identity crisis. So after I stepped down in July from the lead role, um, didn't go back to the church because we have a new pastor that wanted to establish his role. And plus, we're meeting virtually now, too. So I didn't really get to say bye to the church um, because everything was virtual. And so the leaders, and, no, and, and just backtrack, I was there for six years. There was no ministry. We kind of established and it began. So everyone that was there, we started together with. So there's that special bond. And so not being able to give hugs or even having a meal together, but on Zoom just saying bye was like, really, there wasn't really much closure for me at least. And so they invited me to come speak again in October. So three months has passed and they wanted me to share, what have you been learning? in the past three months as an overseas worker who's still here, right? And so through that time, like, people didn't know what to come. They're like, are you an M or are you a pastor? What are you? Like, I, I don't even know who I am or what I am. And so just that time of learning language, being stuck at home, being with the kids in a confined area, right? They're just going crazy, running around with too much energy. And I'm like, what am I supposed to speak about? And just really frustrated. Um, and so I actually broke down, like, crying. Well, she doesn't know. But just, like, internally, the, the man cry. Like, there's, like, a dust ball in my eye, right? And so and, and as I open up the passage, and I'm just looking at it, I'm, I'm studying about in the book of John, and just the word became flesh, and who am I in the identity of God, and, and just kind of reflecting on that. And I go, God, I really want to go overseas and proclaim that you are good. But right now, I just honestly don't feel like you are good. Like, I don't know, I know theoretically, theologically what to proclaim, but it's just all going to be book knowledge. So I want to really experience and be able to share with the church how my experience has been with you or following you for the past three months. And I really had nothing. And so I just sat there, um, decided to make myself some coffee. And the coffee happened to be gifted to us from her cousin from Oregon, which is a bean that's sent from that country that we're going to, and I decided to brew it. And long story short, I have not had a sense of smell for 12 years. And I prayed for it, had four operations because of my allergies so chronic. And once I started taking a sip of that coffee, I started to smell. And so I was like, what, right? So I'm, start, and I'm screaming, and wife's in the kitchen, and she's like, what, what, what? I'm like, dude, I can smell this coffee. And she's like, what? So I run to my kid's bedroom, and I started sniffing them. They're like, Dad, what are you doing? I was like, oh, so that's what you smell like, because I've never smelled them before. Like, never had to smell a dirty diaper. Isn't that a great feeling? But now I get to smell them, the sweat and all of it, right? And I'm like taking this big old whiff in their hair. I'm like, Dad, stop it. And I'm like just happy just because I can smell them. And I would smell her. I'm like, so that's what you smell like, you know? And, and, and then I open the fridge. I'm smelling all the foods, and it smells so good. You know, never could I ever say it feels so good to walk into a home and you know someone's cooking something, and you're able to know it's being cooked. And you can taste the flavors, and you know if it's salty or too sweet. Right now I'm a food critic. 
And so at that moment, I just felt this like the Lord, his hand, his presence. I just, I just gave up on praying about that. Like I just felt like I'll just deal with it for the rest of my life. It's no big deal, right? And, and when I started learning the language, the label on the bag of the coffee in that country's language means love. And I was just kind of like, wow. And, and that just blew me away. And how, and, and Pastor Tavis, he asked me when we were sharing this with him, he's like, hey, Dan, had you regained your smell maybe four or five years ago, would you have the same reaction you would have today? And I was like, no, I wouldn't. Because in his time, in this moment, when I needed the most, his presence, and when I can appreciate it the most, he was there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I'm sure for most of us, it's been a hard year. But, yeah, just not knowing when we're going. I think every few months, something happening. Right now, that country is actually the epicenter of COVID. Um, so it's, it's just really bad there right now. Um, everyone on our teams um, knows of team members, national leaders there whose families have died, um, and it's continuing to rise still. So, um, you know, like our hearts really break over what's going on right now there. Um, but we, yeah, I think God is teaching us to just trust in him. He's our only hope. He's our only, um, uh, only thing we can trust in and hope in because he never fails, and he's working even now. And so I think, you know, when we look back at just joining our organization and preparing to head out, you know, I always think that, yeah, if we had known what this would have looked like that first year of being overseas, but not overseas, I wouldn't have joined. I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have had the faith to say, okay, that's what I'm stepping into. But God knows our measure of faith, right? He knew how little faith we had, and, and he allowed us to see just a small picture and take that step of faith. And then once we were really able to see him provide, he's been growing our faith uh, to the point where we can say, okay, God, yeah, it's been a year, but we're still trusting you. We know in your timing we will go. And, um, and we know that he is still working there. He doesn't need us there. He doesn't need us to do his work there. But it's, he gives us the privilege and the honor of being at work with him. Um, and so, yeah, we're just... Um, thankful. We're just so thankful for um, how he allows us to be a part of what he's doing um, in redeeming the nations. Um, it's just such an exciting picture and just a beautiful picture. And so, um, yeah, and just to bring it back around full circle, the Hebrews 11 passage, the heroes of our faith, they didn't know what the next steps were going to be, but they just felt and knew that God was calling them to go one direction, and they picked up. You know, and I, and I, I totally um, echo Esther in that, yeah, had we known what we're getting ourselves into a year ago today, it's like, I don't know, maybe get that 10-year pension, right? Or maybe do this, or maybe do that, and we'd come up with many different reasons of why we can justify what we're going to do rather than walk in that step of faith and really hear the different noises but not being able to hear the voice of God. And so I think that was a, a huge thing that we did and that as we began to walk with them, through the course of these times and the people that we began to meet and the prayers that were being answered. And this is just a small tidbit of all the, or snippet of all the experiences that we've had of him just responding. And we can go, I know they want us to talk for hours, but we're not going to, because um, they're going to call us back, they said. Um, but just, yeah, just being able to bring that full circle, um, how God just really works. And so my challenge to you, Rooftop, is, yeah, uh, maybe sometimes it's, it's not, the, the wrong question is, God, 
tell me all the details of what you want me to do, but just tell me a little bit and I'll be obedient to that and I'm sure you'll open doors to the next things that you want us to follow with.